Welcome back, guys, to another edition of the Bow Rush Podcast. You're listening to episode 18. That's 018. My name is Travis Stowe. I am the host of the Bow Rush Podcast. And today we're going to be bringing back Anthony Dixon to go over some questions that personally I've had issues on. And it happens to be the keeping your bow maintained and tuned. Throughout the years, I've done my best, what at least I think I've done my best, keeping my bow as tuned as possible. And as most of you probably have done the same thing, taking your bow in, maybe tuning it at home, you've noticed things don't seem to always line up perfectly. There's a reason for it, and Anthony has some great answers to make sure that you're doing things correctly. As everybody has been listening, they know Anthony's got so much information, and we like picking his brain. And uh, so, if uh, Anthony, if you're on the line, how how how's everything going? Um, it's been hot, man. It's been really hot. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting around the eight, high 80s, low 90s, and to me, it's just it's too hot. I kind of get become a a mole, so to speak. Yes, I've been um, a mole myself. I've been hiding out in my basement and uh, trying to uh, stay active in the early parts of the day and uh, in in the latter part of the day as well. But overall, um, you know, for being in the 90s for the last 10 days and, and reaching into 103, um, you know, good. Still maintaining to shoot my bow and, uh, you know, make sure things are on target. 103. I didn't realize it's getting that hot out there. Yeah, we're having some exceptionally warm weather right now, uh, and we're just rolling into uh, our hot is it the weather similar to Colorado? I, mean, I remember a while back I went to Colorado down there in the summer, and the weather, you know, into the hundreds, but then if you go under a tree, it might be 80. But then that night, it could very well have potentially a blizzard. Is that kind of the same thing as where you are in Utah? We we have a high high alpine desert, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm sitting at, you know, 4,500 vertical feet above sea level so you, you have a nice dry heat but uh it's been very hot as soon as it gets into the 90s uh you know that's that's uh wow <laughs> yeah i uh <laughs> once it gets warm i honestly feel to me and it just might be my personal situation but uh i tend to spend less time outdoors and coincide it affects my ability to get out to shoot with a bow as well because now, I enjoy the cold weather. I like things around 70 or below. And once it starts getting above that, I tend to slack. And uh, I don't know if that's how it is for you, but uh, that's one of negatives I think I have that I should definitely be working on. Yeah, I'm the same. You're the same? <laughs> yeah. Well, today, um, one of the things I wanted to discuss is the importance about tuning the bow. Um, this is something I've been dealing with right now. And I thought I'd like to ask some questions about how to keep things maintained and the potency of for why you do it and uh, the whole reasoning behind why people keep things tuned up. Okay. That sounds good. Uh, easy enough. You know, what, what kind of problems have you been having? Well, um, I would consider myself, especially around now, uh, you can kind of think of a weekend warrior where I, during the week, I probably don't have as much time to get out, shoot the bow, but then the weekend I'll pull the bow out and I'll, uh, I always put it away. I don't just leave it out. And, but when I put stuff in my, uh, my carrier, stick it in the, uh, the closet, the next week I pull it back out, I'm shooting it. I started noticing that the string, this has been since the last time I've taken my bow in to get tuned up manually. Um, it's been a couple months and as I pull back to full draw, I started noticing my peep sight is twisting and I'm having to counteract every single time before I pull the bow back to full draw, I'm literally grabbing the peep sight 
and I'm twisting it the opposite direction. And it seems like each time I do that, I'm slowly seeing over time it get worse and worse. And that's just one of the few things that I've been noticing. And I don't know exactly the reasoning for it and uh, you know, what's the best way to prevent it. Well, I think with each manufacturer, things can be different. Let's just get to that point first. And that is um, based on certain types of cam systems, cam and a half. Uh, binary cam systems, um, speed cams, you know, how much you're shooting your bow, how little you're shooting your bow. All those things have something to do with your bow getting out of tune. Whether you're shooting it all the time and things are starting to wear, you could have string wear. Um, you could be, you know, not as simple as it sounds. It's just taking an Allen wrench and, and tightening up everything. That's something that, uh, you know, I got stung by that a couple weeks ago. I was really surprised. I was out shooting, and I was like, what is that rattle? I just heard a little boop when I was shooting, and, um, you know, I had to, I had to tighten, some, uh, tighten some Allen wrench heads up. And, and so it's just like your car, you know. you got to check the oil on it. Um, a bow is no different. Those guys that wait till the last minute to tune a bow uh, just before season starts, um, that's a mistake. And, 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 you know, for you to be watching years now is great. That's what you're supposed to be doing is watching it, you know, and, and, and that's an indication that you have found. Like, that's a very simple one. The peep's starting to turn. Um, the string might be stretching a little bit. You're getting into the warmer uh, times of the season right now, and, and that's going to cause that, that string to change a little bit. So, you you know, you'll bring it into a bow shop, and they'll say, oh, well, your pin's turning a little bit to the right, so I'm going to twist that string uh, a half a turn, and they put it on back on the can and uh, load the bow up and then they see where that that people sit and hopefully it's lined up sometimes they'll take it a little bit farther they'll put maybe a full twist in it a full rotation of the string and and it'll come right back around where it's supposed to be Um, so when you draw the bow back and you're at full draw you know you're looking right at the center of that uh peep where you should be i have the same issue right now um i have an older string um, I've been shooting the bow for a couple of years, and um, I'm waiting for, for a new one to come. And um, and I've been chasing that. I've been moving that peep a little bit. And I've noticed, like, I probably need about a quarter turn. So I just got to put it in my vise and, um, you know, relieve the pressure and then turn that peep a little bit and get it right. Thinking of the dynamics of the bow and the bowstring like you're discussing, how does that play in the role of the weight involved? Because one of the things I've been noticing as well Every time I shoot now, it seems like the distance is slowly different than where if, let's say, I had something right at 20 yards and I shoot normally at a 20-yard consistency, it seems to either drop just slightly. So it's almost like it's not getting the same distance. Is that caused because of the string getting loose? Um, a little bit of stretch. Yeah. You know, it's getting a little bit longer, even if it's a 16th of an inch. Um, you know, I know winner's choice strings, they actually measure them with a laser, and um, and they do a bunch of special things to make sure that that string is right on the money when it comes out of the factory and it's on the boat. Um, it's, it's a critical thing, and you need to watch it. I do watch mine quite a bit. Obviously, the, the telltale sign is your peep, um, you know, moving and not being centered when you're, you're getting ready to take a shot. You know, there's also, you know, uh, making sure... Uh, you have the right draw length. You know, some of the guys, you know, you could lose that quarter inch or a half inch, and the bow used to be like this, or meaning, let me rephrase that. Some people shoot bows that are too long for them. Some people shoot bows that are too short for them. 
meaning the draw length when they come to full draw, uh, we'll just use our right-handed shooter. You know, the left the left arm is is too bent, meaning there's a bend at the elbow too much, and that would be too short. So there's a comfortable draw length there, and, and from manufacturer to manufacturer, um, it can change. Even though the guy at the bow shop hands you a bow and says, "This is a 28-inch draw." They all vary a little bit. So um, twisting up your um, your cables and, and the string and, and checking the poundage, there's all kinds of things that a tech can do to get that bow back in. And the, and the first thing I'd say is, you know, are you shooting the bow at its full capacity? Let's just say we are. So that's a 70-pound bow. Pretty average. Um, yeah. You know, they'll put it in the machine, they'll, they'll measure the weight and uh, see if it's at 70. And sometimes it might be at 69. So twist up the strings, get it back to 70, and uh, that would probably um, alleviate that problem that you may be having because you got a little string stretch. Okay. Well, because you were talking about the, the string stretch, and one of the things I like to do is that through periodically I like to mess or rearrange my sights to make sure I reposition them and make sure things are dialed in before the, the hunting season. But knowing that if I'm doing that now and I'm getting string stretch, is that going to cause an effect once the cooler weather comes back in? I mean, now my bowstring has stretched a little bit, but it's going to be a little bit different than when the cool weather comes around. Will my pen sights be off? Well, generally speaking, let's back up. Most okay. people really spend a lot of time shooting before season starts. Yeah, I, I tend to do that, I, too. <laughs> girls that are real slackers that want to start the week before and go to their archery shop and say, oh, my gosh, I need a dozen arrows. <laughs> let's, let's not do that this year. Let's try and go to the bow shop eight weeks before season. So put it on your calendar, put it on your iPhone, and give yourself a, a uh, an alert on that and go and check the bows, check see if you need arrows, make sure your arrows are all match great. Um, you can weigh them at the shop for free. Say, hey, I want to borrow your scale and I weigh all my arrows, you know, weigh out all your broadhead, you know, try to use all the same broadheads. Hopefully if you're only shooting 20 yards, you know, you should be fine, but they should all weigh a hundred grains if that's what you're shooting or 125 and, you know, get the bow serviced. Some people, you know, will tie their bow to a a quad runner and go through the mud and the, and uh, the water and you know sometimes those um, axles that you know go through the limb and into the cam those need to be taken out and greased and uh, sometimes they're bent. Some people bend them sometimes um, if they dry fire the bow and the, the the bow is actually still working fine, but not really working fine. There's a, there's an issue, you know, and you can bend those sometimes even though they're stainless steel and they're very strong on most manufacturers. Um, so let's just talk about going to the shop eight weeks early and getting our bows checked. Okay. Seems pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, it's preparation, but uh, does that seem a little last minute? I mean, going throughout, because you still have what almost 10 months that you're dealing with even while using it you just eight weeks before hunting season you think that's about the only time you really need to worry about or is it all throughout the year you should always keep that kind of in the back of your mind it depends what kind of a shooter you are i would say you know you're shooting um more than average uh for sure so you know you're gonna want to try to keep on 
keep your eye on your bow and what's going on with it just about every time you shoot. And, and here's, a, here's a very simple way of doing this. So let's say we go to the archery shop, you and I, and we're going next week. I will put up a target face that has five targets. It's usually blue and white. I don't know who the manufacturer is. And so there's five bullseyes. So you're going to take three arrows in practice, and you're going to shoot one, two, and three in a row. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you might take a black permanent marker when you're at that bow shop and say, okay, I'm going to try this. So you color in the X uh, in the first circle, and I'll color that solid with, with black magic marker. Then I'll, I'll label it just for you guys that are working working this for the first time. You put a number one by that off to the side, and then number two and number three. So you go to the archery shop, and you're going to shoot number one first, number two, and number three, right in order. And you're going to shoot three rounds. So now you're going to go grab the arrows, you're going to shoot again, and you're not going to be in a hurry. And you're going to really concentrate on pulling through that shot correctly and shooting number one. And then you're going to do it number two and number three. So after you do this seven times, look at number one, look at number two, and look at number three, and you will start to see a pattern. And they might be, your first shot might be all bullseye. Let's just say for hypothetical reasons. Okay. But number two, you shoot high by one inch at 20 yards, and you're left by two inches. And then you go to number three, and you're high, and you're only an inch off to the left. So now you've seen a pattern. Now you can move your sight. If it's micro-adjustable, it's very easy. If it's not, then be very careful and loosen up the pin to adjust your windage first. That's your left and your right. And because I said the arrows are to our left on target number two and three, we're going to move our sight on a right-handed bow to the left. You're going to chase the arrow. Okay. And hopefully now you're going to shoot three more times or three more rounds at those three targets three more times. Does that make sense? So we shot seven rounds first. Now we're going to go seven, eight, nine, and ten, right? Does that make sense? It does. Okay. I don't, I don't want to lose anybody. Um, and so what that will do is now we should see those arrows that were going to the left on target number two and three. We should see those move over to be center. Now they're still a little high. So on this, because they're running a little hot, is what we would call that, I don't mind that. But if, I, but if I'm three inches high, then I could probably move that. But if I'm one inch high on target three that I was talking about, let's adjust that. Now, whether you have a slider or a single pin or multiple pins, let's just take the rack of pin and slide it a sixteenth of an inch, and we're going to chase that arrow again. We're going to slide it up. And we're going to see where they go. This type of tuning is very basic, but it can tell you if your bow is on or you are off. Some days you're just going to be off, especially if you're drinking caffeine. You got a big 32 ounce <laughs> Coke sitting there. That's going to make got the jitters. Sick. Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to. Or uh, I've I've caught people that have uh, a big, huge chew in. So they've got a big chew in. They had a cup of coffee, and they're just all over the place. And the first, the first indication of this is going to be your left and right. That's when people get real jittery. Your high and low is something that I pay close attention to, but not as much as my left and right. 
and your left and right is called your windage. Okay. Would you and, say that, that uh, would that be also something to think about if someone is doing, let's say they're working out, they probably wouldn't want to do it right after a workout or even potentially the next day after just because you know, your muscles are probably might be a little bit weaker than the day before. Absolutely. When I train, um, I try not to uh, shoot on the days that I lift. Okay. And I lift all machines because I'm a little bit older and they isolate my, my muscle groups and, and, and my form as I, as I, uh, I just do strength training. Um, so I work for that fatigue and of the muscle or that particular muscle group. So I'll usually try to shoot on my off days and, and you can definitely see if you're a physical, if your job is a very physical job and you go to shoot and it's, you know, five, six, seven o'clock at night. Um, you're probably not going to shoot as well as on a Saturday or a Sunday. You'll definitely see that. You know, it's funny. Some guys will actually shoot better after they have, uh, and I don't and will not promote this, but I know uh, pros that um, will have a drink before they shoot because it calms their nerves down. I uh, uh, didn't know that. Yeah. yeah and I, and I, I know target guys were doing it for a while there. I don't know if they're allowed to do it anymore. But um, I don't watch Target as much as I used to. But um, so anyway, yes, you are one hundred percent right on working out and shooting. Okay. You know the one of the things that I know that I've always wondered because I do feel like I try to maintain my bow as best as possible. When I do get back from shooting uh, that evening, I usually get the bow wax and I go around the string, I rub it down, make sure everything is all nice and clean, so that you don't see the flares. But then mm-hmm. I also get the uh, my Allen wrenches or the um, and go through and try to find all the spots and just kind of make sure everything's all tightened. But there's been times, you know, the weather might not be all that great, or I lay the bow down to pull out the arrows and I start seeing dirt coming on and they're maybe around the cams and you can see it. There's been times where I felt maybe I could just blow it off or get a little damp rag. But I've always wondered, like, well, I guess the best way to say is. What type or what kind of an effect does it cause if you know you have dirt grind inside the cam itself? And if there is, how do you get that out without having to necessarily go straight to a bow shop so they can, you know, lower it down and get down into it? Is there any really special way or a tip that might help? Or does it uh, matter? Well, I think it does matter. I think it does because if you're a type A personality, that bothers you. Yeah. And you want to have a bow and it is your weapon and you should respect it and take care of it. Um, just like, you know, a gun, you wouldn't clean it with water and then put it in a case and lock it down. Right. Um, the bow, um, you know, I'll use uh, a little bit of uh, non-odor oil, you know. Like a gun oil? Has no odor or... Like an oil, and I'll put it by the edge of the cam, you know, just on the edge of the cam right down by, the, you know, some bows have some washers there on the sides of their cam and then right up by the axle. Okay. Um, and then I'll use a toothbrush. Um, everyone's got a toothbrush. Put one in your your bow box, and um, you know, clean that stuff up. Get that get that stuff out of there. Um, I know. Probably a week ago, I went and bought some blue Loctite, and um, on my particular uh, Elite Energy thirty five on my cams, um, I've got some star wrenches uh, uh, that uh, nuts that go in and hold the mod. Uh, to the cam, and I went through and I pulled those out, and and then I put them back in with a little blue Loctite on there. Hmm. Um, sometimes I'll use. Um, I don't like a lot of. Uh, I don't like any rust on my bow. There's just something about 
if something rusts. Um, back in the day when I, I shot for uh, um, I shot for another company and they didn't use um, screws that were coated, so they'd always rust. And um, so I would always take like testers model paint, but now I just use a, a flat paint that I buy and uh, I spray it in like a plastic lid and I just use a little paintbrush and I paint them. And um, I just take care of my stuff. I just I don't like having my bow not taken care of. It can look scratched. It can be scratched. Like, I really watch my cams, you know, because I don't like Nicks um, or something. getting nicking my cam. Yeah. And, and nicking your cam in that trough where the string rides, um, that can be detrimental. That can very easily create a burr, and that burr can cut into that uh, string and that serving, and then you've got a real problem on your hands. So... I always watch that, and um, you know when strings get old and and you don't take care of them, and you pull your bow out, and you know you've got these big strands that are that are fraying, and then you even have one that's even deep. Like sometimes you'll get a real deep one. Um, you need to get a new string. You know, you kind of brought up a good question, and this is something that uh, I was always wondering: Why would anybody want to buy a bow that's going to have a bolt that could rust? And I know that when I originally started, I bought cheap. I actually, I bought a very cheap sight, and sure enough, the bolt itself, it rusted after just a few times being out in the rain, and when I decided to change to upgrade to something better, I mean, it was hard to get off, and we broke it off, and you saw dust come out, and I didn't even realize how much rust really comes into play to buy better quality bolts. What you just said is that you would potentially just take the bolts off and change them or paint them with something. That seems pretty interesting because that might even be a more cost-effective way. Well, when you first get a new bow, um, you know, the company I shoot for, they don't have those problems because they've got all theirs coated. I know, and I'm not dissing these guys, but Hoyt, I know they're both still rust. And to me, I I don't want that. I don't like it. And certainly if I was paying $1,200 for a carbon fiber bow and the screws rust on it, I'd be... I'm not gonna lie to you. I'd be very disappointed. Yeah, I like. It's like buying a brand new. It's like buying a car, and and you know it rains one time, and and your bumpers that are chrome start to rust the first time. You'd be like, "What the hell's going on with this?" Well, I really like the idea to taking those bolts and encoding it with something. I've never thought about that before. That seems a really cool tip. Yeah, you just take a um, any plastic container that you might get from uh, you know a to-go container, and I'll just take my paint and I'll spray it in there. I'll, sh- I'll shake the can really, really well. A lot of people don't do that, but I, and again, just take a little more time, shake that paint really, really well, or I'll store the paint upside down and then I'll put them in the sun for, you know, 10 minutes before I use them and warm up that paint and then, uh, you know, mix the paint well, spray it into the, the clear container and take a little dollar paintbrush that you can get at the uh, grocery store and uh, just go through and paint, paint your stuff up. If you want, you could use testers. Testers model paint is something that I used for years as a kid growing up. I used to, you know, make a lot of models or build them. And uh, that stuff's got some sheen level to it that I don't like, but it's a very, very strong paint. Hmm. It's, and a, so, it's good to know. Yeah. Yep. One of the things you also were talking about, and it, it kind of brought up another thought, on my bow itself, I know for a fact that the very tip of my cam, very small, I do have a very small nick. It's not around, like if let's say you pull your bow back to full draw, 
the string itself is not touching it. It's nowhere near it. So there's a good gap between where that nick is. It's just a, like almost a hairline fracture or a hairline nick itself at the very tip. Is there a way to maybe fix that, touch it up, or is that something I need to keep my eye on and potentially might have to replace one day? Because I haven't seen it getting worse. I just know that one day I laid my bow down and it just scuffed a rock just slightly and it put a little tiny nick in it. Well, you could get some 550 grit sandpaper and maybe some for 150 grit sandpaper and when you go to the bow shop because they probably won't have that i mean a sheet of it will go a long way put it in your bow box your, your tuning kit um go to the shop um, if you do have a ding in it um pull the string off feel for burrs you know ask the guy hey can i can i look at that i just I, i'm just curious and he's like sure you know and you look at it and just take some of that you know other 150 grits pretty that's pretty coarse but the 550 is very fine grit. Uh, that's like automotive type of metal type of sandpaper. Um, it's usually black or sometimes it's even blue, the color. And just take that burr off. That's not a problem. Even in the field sometimes, I can leave the string on. If I, if I, take, a, if I take a digger and I kind of burr that up a little bit, I have a file in my kit that I can just take the burr off without cutting into the string. You know what I mean? Obviously, you're talking about being very careful. Right. Luckily, I know where mine is. It's just, it's at the very top, and um, at no point do I ever see the string ever get near it. I just notice that there's this little tiny nick that does seem to bother me, and I've always wondered if that's something I have to pay attention to. But uh, if you're thinking about sanding it down, is that something I end up having to coat over afterwards? Or if I by sanding it, will that be more deceptive to rain and rust? It, I don't know of a single cam manufacturer that is not using uh, aluminum right now. Okay. So aluminum is not going to rust. It might not look pretty, but... Um, <laughs> well, know, cosmetics could, is just a... That's just the eye yeah, candy of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A lot of guys right now are really, really into, like, I just call it, for lack of better words, it's just disco. They use a lot of bright colors. And, you know, they're, they're into building these things that look real flashy. They're bows. Um, and, I'm, and I'm very much in the opposite of that direction right now. You like um, subdued colors. Very much so. Very much so. I'm in between. I like, I really do like the camo style. Um, I have a Matthews, and I do like their camos that they come up with with the bow. But I know that people do the high bright colors, the blues, the reds, the pinks. And pinks, I guess, might have the uh, the differences for either a female or they're using it because they're part of the the breast cancer or some sort of support, which I get. Um, But then... The people that go all straight black, I have not come to the idea of liking the uh, military style or uh, I guess you would say black ops style where everything's just blacked out. I can see the purpose making it, you know, once it's black, you're now dealing with just shadows. But to me, it just visually doesn't look appealing. But that's just my preference. Yeah. I understand. Good to have one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you have to have <laughs> something. Yeah. Going in with, you know, knowing off season, on season. And trying to maintain tune, waxing your string, and I mean, is there other things to maybe be aware of, or uh, at least preparation to make sure your bow stays in tune the best? Because not everybody has the opportunity. Because even me, I was lucky enough. I do have a few places I can take my bow. One's about 15 minutes, but the next one's almost 30, 40 minutes away, and it just keeps getting further and further as long as the more I want to drive further out. But uh, not everybody has that opportunity. So they might just have to literally do it at their home. Is there any real way to just make sure the bow is maintained as best 
or they should just like, if anything, this is the one thing you should always do. Your bow should be at least the best performance at that point. Is there something they can do? I would say that like the, the easiest thing that a guy or a girl can do is just take care of your strength. Strength. Um, the, the amount of stress that goes, <laughs> goes on during the, the shot process, it's incredible. Um, if you've ever seen any slow-mo footage, but and if you haven't, maybe we could take some off of another video and post up so people could see that the, the string oscillates quite a bit after the shot goes off. And it's it's very interesting to watch and see what's happening. I think you know, depending on where you are. I talked to a friend of mine that lives in Canada, and he had to drive uh, into Calgary, which is quite a haul for him. It's a couple hours, but for him to go in there just at the beginning of the year, like he just went in uh, a week and a half ago. Drove to Calgary, got a new site. He called me up. He's like, look, I need help with my CVE. I'm running a three-pin, but my last pin is the mover. And um, I said, okay, well, that, that's fine. You know, and, and you know, we're trying to get him doped in where he was shooting and having fun and using that bottom pin. And he was, you know, within 24 hours, he was shooting out to 80 yards. And he just, you know, was really excited about it. Um, a guy like that has to drive that far. And just to go in once a year, just to make sure that things are taken care of, that's worth it. Oh, yeah. That's your peace of mind. So once you do that and you bring your old bow in, let's just say it's a couple of years old, it should be fine. If you're getting into the four and five years, you know, it's like, hey, can you, you know, do you have the axles here? I'd like to put some new axles on it, or I want you to check my axles. I want you to you know, take apart the bow, lube it all up, put it all back together. And when I come back in to pick it up, I would just like to be able to paper tune it with you and get my 20-yard pin sighted in. The rest of it, I'll figure that out. No, that's not that bad. Um, usually guys have got to get some arrows because they usually burn up some arrows. Yeah. Um, if you're looking the farther away you are, you know, my buddy Cody, he's a couple hours away. You know, it's very important for him to be like, look, this, you know, call the shop first. Say, hey, these are the arrows that I have. And you read off, you know, the manufacturer, uh, the spine, uh, the insert that you have. Um, you know, you get it nowadays. You can just, you know, get a cell phone number from one of the guys at the shop and take a picture of stuff and send it to him and say, okay, now I want you to order these arrows. And then my bear shaft, you know, you can text him and say, bear shaft measures, you know, 28 inches exactly. Um, these are the knocks that I have. Will these knocks work? Are these, you know, still being manufactured? Um, are these inserts that I have? Are these the way I want to go? You know, there's a lot of things you can do now uh, with technology to assure yourself when you're driving any type of a distance. One, the shop has it. Two, manufacturers are still making those particular parts. And if not, then, you know, you're taking pictures of your bow and, you know, whatever it may be on your bow, and you're saying, well, this is what I need. Order it. You know, and then when it comes in, you know, you know they ordered this. This is the, the email or the text that you have and et cetera, or email it to them. And then that way you've got some kind of concrete evidence that, hey, this is why, this is what I ordered. You ordered the wrong thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a little backup plan. One of the things that also seems to be interesting is when I do take the bow in and I see the uh, technicians, they're, they're using like the knuckle tap and they're tapping around the bow. I've always wanted to know, like, why are they doing that? And uh, is there something that I could learn that might, if I know what it is, is that something I could use myself? But one, the purpose of, what is the purpose of the knuckle tap? It's, you know, if you, you make a fist and you go around and you, you hit your quiver like I'm doing right now, it's not, it's not vibrating. You're not getting a buzz on it. Okay. Or you can take the, the 
just behind your thumb there where your your wrist and you can hit the riser and you can hear anything start to vibrate. That's a pretty easy way to go through it and um, find if there's an issue. And that's all they're doing is they're just trying to, you know, pinpoint as fast as they can what's, what's you know, giving the shooter uh, that vibration. Well, I think one of the things they did was they were tapping on the top of my uh, my limbs and somehow by doing so they indicated that my limbs were failing and I didn't quite understand the reasoning but they just said that my limbs had to be replaced and I my assumption is that maybe they're hearing some sort of crack but I couldn't I wasn't close enough to hear it but they, they kept putting it close to their ear and they kept tapping, 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 and then they eventually just came back and said, you need to replace your limbs. And I always kind of thought, well, that's interesting. I, I kind of wanted to know why, but we got them replaced. I always wondered you know, if that was a, uh, a special technique that I could know, even on the field or just at home, if I'm tapping. I know what I'm listening for, but I don't know what I'm listening for. I know the vibration, but I didn't quite understand the purpose for the limbs at the top. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never seen anyone do that. It doesn't mean that he or she was wrong. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes the edges of limbs, if they get dinged kind of hard, most of them are all fiberglass for the most part. Um, they'll splinter off, and then, you know, I've taken sandpaper and sanded those down so the crack doesn't continue on the edge of the limb. Um, I haven't had that particular issue with um, Elite, which I'm very happy about. I would be a little skeptical about that. If someone said, hey, you need new limbs because I'm kind of wrapping on your limbs and it's kind of buzzing and I can tell there's something wrong, I want to see that crack, you know. Hmm. Maybe I got duped. (laughs) Well, no, I'm not implying that. I'm just saying I want to know. You show me that crack because I want to see that crack. And, you know, sometimes, you, you know, putting it on the machine and telling, you know, what, what the poundage is or putting it in the vise, um, and then putting the pressure on it, um, you can tell that way too. Gosh, most people that build bows now, they build pretty good bows. But it's not to say that a limb won't break. I mean, they, they, you know, they go through uh, just a ton of stress uh, as the bow goes off. So, you know, if you're shooting a 70-pound bow, I shoot an 80-pound bow, and uh, that's a lot of pressure, 80 pounds going off in your hand. And it's got to travel you know, from the string to the cam and then into the limbs and into the riser, your rest, your sight, quiver, stabilizer, you know, everything is working to control that vibration. I think it was maybe my second, maybe third year into bow hunting. I purchased fairly cheap going, I I felt my bow was, I, I put a good amount into the bow itself, but just the accessories, I was cheaping out everything just because I, I was on a budget. And so after a couple of years, I was like, okay, I'm time, it's time to upgrade. And I did an overhaul on my bow. Um, I got the new, um, what was it? I got a new string. I got new sights. Um, I had a new release, a new arrows, new, what else? I pretty much had knew everything. And one of the things that they told me was that I needed to be prepared for that even though I did a complete overhaul, had a whole bunch of new things, that my expectation of the bow and the firing pin, the distance, it was all going to change. And this is something that happened to me, and maybe it just because I, I, maybe I brought it to the wrong person, maybe it wasn't configured correctly, I was still learning. But I had what I felt was an incredibly silent bow. 
And when I got all these new things added to the bow, not only I lost 20 yards in my, my sight, but it seemed when I could go up 60, 70, 80 yards, I literally could tell 20 yards of those were gone. I was, and before would technically shoot a hundred, but now I'm shooting 80. And if I was shooting 80, now I'm shooting 60. Um, I had more vibration. Everything seemed to just be off. And one of the things that the technician says that this is stuff you just have to be aware of and accept because when you do an overhaul, things are never going to be the same. It, I wasn't sure if that's the right answer, but that was something that I was preferring for. And I've yet to really get back to where I felt my bow has been its best when I first bought it. And it's been a couple of years now, but I've never really felt like my bow is at its best. I don't know if that's something that people should be aware of and is that the case or was I, you know, being new, not really sure and I got duped, so to speak. I think when you when you there there definitely is a change in your bow and an overhaul. But you still should be able to get back to, you know, the same poundage. Uh that's that's for sure. That should be a one hundred percent that's that's easy to do. You know, I think as bows get older, obviously the limbs aren't as stronger and they lose some of their strength, just like everything does. Well, I guess I'll be more specific. Like, not only I got my limbs replaced, I got new strings. I just installed the CBE site. My rest was now a mechanical one versus before I was using the whisker biscuit. And the arrows were a little different, but they're not that much of a difference. So I didn't increase the weight or anything. But literally every single time I shoot, I know the difference. It does not, it's never felt the same. And the only way I was able to get back my distance was that I had to increase my bow weight from 70 pounds to 74 to 75 pounds just to get that 20 yards back. Now, some people are like, well, you're only shooting uh, in Georgia about 50 yards. Then what's the big deal? Because you can just get those within your sight. But I always felt like I knew a difference. When I shot, I can see it, I can feel it, and I've never really truly got my bow back the way it was. No matter which uh, person, I've taken it to a couple of people, and the only person that has been able to answer it was, he said the best thing he could do was increase the bow weight. And he did. And I got the distance back, but the vibration's still there. I feel like I can hear it before, before I actually did the overhaul. The only thing I felt I could hear was the arrow going through the air. Now I feel a bit of vibration. I can hear almost thunk before I never heard it. And so I just know that it's different. And that's just my personal experience has happened. And one day Hmm. it might be that I just might have to get a new bow. Maybe I just have to wash my hands and just let it be. But I know that that's one negative feeling that I had ever since I did a full overhaul that I've never been able to get back when I first purchased the bow. Well, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, it, it, it can happen, but I would get over it. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm not like I'm not pouting over it. I just know that it's just every time I shoot it, in the back of my mind is like it used to be better. <laughs> I accept right. it, but it. I just know in the back of my mind that I just it could have been or it has been better, and uh, but you know that's just my experience. Sure, I understand. I guess the the reasoning why I was asking that was because I did a complete overhaul. And it kind of gives me the thought of how the saying is, if you have a really old, like a classic vehicle, a classic truck, you have to put a quart of oil every day in, it might be better to keep putting a quart of oil every day in than to fix it. Because it might, once you fix something, something else gets worse and starts breaking or damaging after that. It's almost like a tumbling effect. But Mm -hmm. um, so kind of going into that bow, 
if you're thinking about doing an overhaul, is it better to potentially do one thing, test your bow, add a new element into it, test your bow, and slowly, so in the same situation, if something's not right, then you can slowly backtrack when was it right versus, well, everything's been changed. What do I know what's wrong and what's not? Yeah, it's, it's really, that's a lot of personal preference. Yeah. I just yeah. know, like, I think in my future, when I either this current bow or if I do purchase a new one, if I ever do a complete overhaul, I'm thinking what I'm going to do is that if I decide to do a string, I would replace the string, test the bow out. If I end up having to get new cams or if for whatever reason I had to do uh, a new uh, limbs, um, adding a new sight, using a different arrow, I would do one thing at a time, test it. And then so if something is not right afterwards, I know that was the cause of it versus now trying to figure out each individually what I added and figure out what could have been the cause. Because then I could just backtrack while it was great beforehand. I added a new element. This is now not right. Then there's got to be either something wrong with that. Sure. Well, I do know going into the idea of keeping your bow maintained, it does seem like a lot of work. There are people that don't. They will put their bow back. uh, They'll shoot it for just the season, maybe clean it up a little bit, put it away. Um, And then, like you're saying, the type A that are always taking it out, tweaking it, make sure it's in tune. And both seem to have a wear and tear, either one doing physical wear and tear, the other one just not using it. And I think that could has a cob like effect to it itself, but um, overall maintaining is pretty important. Yes, very much so. Well, um, I think my, most of my questions have been answered. I know that some people might have some other ones, but going in from you know the basics of understanding how to keep things clean and maintained is pretty important. I think you've covered it. I hope so. I mean, if they've got any questions, you know, let's. Let's uh, let's answer them. I mean, whether they're for me or for you, it doesn't matter to me. But, you know, if there's questions out there, let's send them in. Let's, let's figure out the problem for you and try to help people out. What you've been doing lately is been getting into creating a lot of video blogs, so to speak, vlogging, as uh, the Internet world would say, but diving into more details on your past hunts and products you use, and you have a, an actual channel um, tailored for that. Yeah, I mean, if anyone you know um, on uh, on the show wants wants me to do uh, a video on something or something that I'm using or wants more detail on it, um, you know, I'm I'm not opposed to doing that. Just uh, you know, you can uh, turn me on Facebook or you can reach me through Travis or wh- whatever you guys want to do, whatever's easiest for you guys. Um, and I have no problem doing that. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to be adding the inside the show notes how to get to your YouTube channel, your Facebook. Um, is there? Uh, would you be okay if I provide them uh, an email address that if they wanted to reach out to you directly? Well, here's what I've found in the past. Some people have emailed me and they email me some in-depth questions. So sometimes, um, if it's on sites and arrows and it gets too deep, I'm I have a harder time trying to tell someone on an email <laughs> what's yeah. going on, but. And it, and it 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 gets a little difficult for me. I think what would be great because you do have a YouTube channel and everybody seems to be using it, especially on their phones. You know, if someone does have a direct question, again, getting to your page, I want to have a link on the show notes. But what would be great if someone does have a, a direct question they want to ask is to create a video question and submit it to you on your YouTube page because not only you're going to be able to hear what they're saying, you get to see who they're talking about so they can show you directly. And then in return, you probably can answer them more effectively because you know what they're talking about 
without one having to try to figure out what they're trying to say on an email and two you have this better interaction i would love to do that i've never done that that's a that's a great idea. Okay. I, I think that's going to be something I'll put. So if you know any of your listeners, if you if you want to speak to Anthony, you know, give that a shot. You know, use your phone, go to his YouTube channel, and post a video question. And I think he's going to – it's going to be a little bit better when it comes to answering you because you're going to get a, you know, a personal direct questions and answers back and forth. And uh, So give that a shot. Sounds good to me. Well, Anthony, I, I really do appreciate you taking your some time and kind of going over just the not only the basics, but really getting down into understanding how to keep a bow maintained and tuned. And uh, if everybody follows it, they should at least have a, a pretty good successful year knowing that they can trust that their bow is in the best shape they can be. Eight weeks. Eight weeks, yes. That, uh, <laughs> I had to make sure I keep that in mind as well. I, there's been times, especially during the summer, I <laughs> I will seem to put my bow away and uh, but I don't want to fall back into that. Well, you know, you're you're gonna if you go to a bow shop eight weeks before season, you're gonna get much better service. And everyone wants good service when it comes to their bow. Exactly. Well, man, I do appreciate it. Uh, I hope to have you back on again and answer more questions because I know we're getting them. And uh, you seem to have so much knowledge that if you're willing to share, we have tons of questions to keep asking. Okay, sounds great, man. Thanks for having me on, and it was a good show. Yeah. I look forward to doing another one and enjoy that 4th of July weekend. Yeah, you too. Take care, man. Thanks, buddy. Bye. All right, guys, as you could hear, Anthony's got some great knowledge, especially when it comes to keeping your bow tuned. And I have to say, just what he said tonight really shows he understands the bow and how it works. I'm so glad we were able to bring him back on, give us the information that I personally needed to know. And these are things that I may have known a little bit, but not that far in depth. So I've been happy to bring him back on. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the show itself. As you heard on the show, I have everything that we talked about on our show notes, and you can get to it by going to mybowrush.com forward slash 018. It's going to give you links to his YouTube account, his Facebook account, and a good way to reach him. I do still encourage you to maybe give it a shot. Create a YouTube video. You can post it to me. I'll make sure he gets it or just post it directly to him. Now, what's been interesting that's been going on for our show, we've originally put on a fitness challenge. And we technically started July 1st, and it's going to be a 60-day challenge. There are a few people that are going to be starting within the next few weeks, so it's going to be really exciting to see the physical change people do have throughout this process. It's going to be fun. I think everybody's going to, one, lose weight, help start building lean muscle, creating a healthier way of eating, and have something that's sustainable. So hopefully you'll keep following us, follow them, see their progression. There is going to be a winner, so it's pretty exciting. And if you're still interested in taking part in this challenge, let us know. We do have a link to the page that you can fill it out. You can email us directly and we'll give you all the details on how to participate in the challenge. If this is something you want to be a part of, if you want to lose weight, have a fun way and potentially win some money, then sign up, be a part of it. There's only the thing is you're either going to stay fat, stay thin, or get ready and get healthy, get conditioned for the hunting season. Which one do you want to be? Me, personally, I want to be conditioned. I want to lose a little bit of extra weight if I need to. I want to build a little bit of extra muscle if I need to. And this is going to be a fun environment to do so. You could do it. I know I'm doing it with the people that are being participating right now. It's going to be fun. So I will give you more updates how that progresses. And we'll keep updating the website as well as our blog posts, our social accounts, how everything's going. Now, if this is a show that you do really appreciate and you like listening to us talk, (laughs) 
That's funny. But if you do like to hear what we had to say, then go to our website, mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes, and give us a five-star review if you feel it's worth it. Um, let us know what you think. Tell us what you don't like. and Or if you have questions you want to know more about, let us know that too, and we'll find the answers for you. I guess that's about it for this show. Stay tuned for our next show that's going to be coming up in a few weeks. Hopefully, we'll have Scott back on the line with a new guest as well. We might even bring back Anthony if it happens to be he's got the answer. So right now, now, I'm Travis Doe. Again, I'm your host for the Bow Rush podcast. And as Scott would say, go get a Bow Rush. Bow Rush.